I'd like for us to notice, we go back to begin the lesson tonight. In Acts chapter 17, Paul's sermon on Mars Hill, beginning at verse 23, he had told these people who superstitious in verse 22. And then, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needeth anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We find that there are a lot of people in this confused world that we're living in today saying that we are following the same God. When we look at the situation here in Acts chapter 17, Paul, as he was walking to Mars Hill, said that he noticed the inscription to the unknown God. We find the condition that existed in Athens at this time is kind of the condition that exists in this world of ours today. Everybody following God, but everybody is following their own God. What I would like for us to note tonight is that God has all authority. I asked a preacher friend of mine a few weeks ago when I was getting ready to present this lesson at Antioch to get ready to present it here tonight as a result of the request that had been made of the elders where are you going to begin when you talk about God's authority? And he said, I don't know of a better place to begin than Genesis chapter 1. And I said, I believe that you are right. Note in Genesis 1.1 that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. This is the very foundation of everything else that we have in all of the Bible. And that is the simple story of the creation as it's recorded in Genesis 1. My friend said, this is the thing that Franklin Camp always emphasized. Ten times in Genesis 1, God said in verse 1, verse 3, verse 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, 28, and 29, he simply spoke 
everything into being. And another interesting thing is to go back and to note. And God is recorded 28 times in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, and God looked upon, and God saw, and other phrases similar to this. But we know the story. After putting man into the Garden of Eden, note there in the second chapter, verses 16 and 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And then we go to the third chapter. Even the smallest of the children and the congregation tonight are familiar with this, I hope and I believe. We find that the serpent came, and he was asking the woman what trees they could eat of, and you know the story. He said here in verse 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Oh, we often look at this, and we point out how that God had given the positive command that they could eat of all the trees of the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then they went against that that God had told them they could do. But a few weeks ago, I looked at verse 17 here in this chapter. After we had studied in a Wednesday night class, the last part of 1 Timothy chapter 2, and some of us men folks, we really waxed on as to how that the woman led the man away. And boy, we, we like to play upon this, don't we? That the devil knew who to come to. That he came to the woman, tempted her. And then she called, she what? Note here in the 17th verse of the third chapter. This is after the Lord comes. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shall thou eat, uh, shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Note here, 
we find that God did not place the blame upon the woman as far as Adam was concerned. He said that you have hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. This is just as plain as it can be. God comes to Adam at this time. And he says, you listen to somebody else rather than taking my simple instructions. I'll tell you, this is powerful. And this is the beginning of all the problems that we have in the name of religion in this country and worldwide today. There are people tonight that still will not accept the authority of God, but they open their ears and they heed what is given unto them from mankind. What it boils down to, and this is what I want us to note in the lesson tonight, it always has been, and it is still a question of authority. Of authority. Two simple points to the lesson tonight. Not much to it. But yes, there's a lot to it. When we think of authority, number one, beginning in Genesis 1, we must realize that God has spoken. That's where authority resides. And that is with God. Beginning here in the garden throughout the history of mankind until this day, we must recognize that God has never left mankind without direction. When Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness tempting him, there in Matthew 4, verse 4, the first answer of Jesus was, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The answer of Jesus there should be the answer of all tonight. That we live by the spoken word that comes from God. But this is the problem mankind's always had. Beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden. And that is simply accepting God's simple instructions as they have been revealed unto I think even the smallest of the children know the story that is told. 1 Samuel chapter 15. How that King Saul was told to go down into the land of the Amalekites and utterly destroy everything, not to bring anything back. But then when he came back, there was a bleeding of the sheep. We find best spoils and even brought back King Agag. And he was confronted with this, and we find that the Lord was upset. In 1 Samuel 15, we'll only note verse 11 at this time, the word of the Lord came unto Samuel. He said, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following after me. 
and hath not performed my commandments. Well, he did just about, we find in the 13th verse, Saul said, oh, I, I did what he commanded me to do. But then we find that Samuel certainly was quick to remind what God had told him to do and that he had brought back the best folds and he brought back King Agat. He had not followed everything that God told him to do. This is the thing that's just as plain as it can be in the Scriptures. And that is that God does not want us altering or tampering with His Word. He doesn't want us changing it. No three references at this time. First of all, back there in Deuteronomy chapter 4 at verse 2, we find that Moses said, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandment of the Lord your God, which I command you. And then also in Proverbs 30 at verse 6, we find that the wise man said, Add not, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found alive. Now then, next to the last two verses in the Bible. Revelation 22, 18, 19. Find that John says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Did you notice that? In Revelation 22, here we come back to the book of Proverbs. And here we are at the beginning of the law, we might say, in Deuteronomy 4.2. More or less at the beginning, in the middle of the Bible as we know it today, and then at the very end. We find that God is saying here that we are not to add to or to take away from His Word. But now then, we're getting down to business. This is where the problem sets in. Just as has always been the case with man, there are so many today that I accept other sources of authority in religion rather than just listening to what God has said. I cannot leave off here, Matthew seven twenty one through 23, where Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus says the same thing in Luke 6, 46, when he said, Why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command? Oh, this is a serious matter. When we go against the authority of God. Friends, we might as well face up to reality. There are those people from time to time, they will ask me, now what does the church of Christ teach? This particular area. Well, we have to be careful here as we look around us and we look at some of our brethren today. And I think sometimes we ask the wrong questions. We'll answer what the answer should be in just a few minutes. Now, isn't this what we're finding out there in the religious world tonight? as they want to know about the Church of Christ, we find that there are churches that are stepping forward and they're saying that this is it. We find that there are those that have their own books to follow, their own creeds, their own doctrines that they're going to follow. Not only do we find that churches say that it will be this way and that way, they have their conventions, their meetings, and what not to determine the legislative in the church, the authority. And we know how it is today as we turn on the TV. And we find that not only are there churches that are stepping forward with the authority and saying this is it, but we find that there are church leaders that are coming forth and they are the authority. As far as so many people are concerned. We say this as kindly as we can. But it's so sad that so many people are being misled. In the name of religion, by religious leaders, and by the teachings of certain churches. Note in 1 John chapter 4 at verse 1. John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now this one reason I put these little sheets out here. There are scriptures there. There are scriptures there. 
I would hope, and if this not be the case, I hope that someone will come to me and tell me that everything that I say tonight is based upon the teaching of the Scriptures. It's not a matter of what does the Church of Christ as a whole teach. It's not a matter of what does a particular preacher preach. John tells us very plainly, here it was, even in the first century, there were false teachers. There were false prophets that had gone out. And you had better believe, when any man will stand in any pulpit anywhere today and will not stand upon this book, that is false teaching. God has Spoken. But now, here's the sad part of the story. And this is what's happening today. As a result of the influence of certain churches, as a result of the influence of certain teachers, we find that there are those people that are reaching certain conclusions. They're forming their own convictions based upon these things that they have been taught. As a result of forming their convictions upon these things that they have been taught, and they continue to associate with these people to be a part of these churches, they're receiving encouragement. They're receiving support for the stand that they take religiously. I have no problem in seeing where some people are going today. And this is what is so sad. We're encouraged. We're assured and we are reassured that what we're doing is good enough. We don't need anything else. John said there are false prophets out there. But now what happens? If I'm not careful, as a result of all this encouragement that I've received, then within and of myself, my feelings are going to become authoritative. That's the way it is. The preacher said it's okay. The church where I go teaches that. We've heard it over and over and over and all the number of people following. It has to be. Here's a favorite of mine. This is one thing I learned from Franklin Kemp. If you want an illustration, try to get you a Bible illustration. Let us turn back to Genesis chapter 37. We could spend a lot of time with this, but we're not going to take a lot of time. Again, even small children are familiar with the story of those things that happened before the selling of Joseph to the Ishmaelites. In Genesis 37 at verse 
28. Twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now let us note as we begin reading in verse 29. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potter. An officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. What about it, Jacob? He said, without a doubt, my son is rent in pieces. What? Without a doubt. He knew it was his coat. You talk about feelings. You don't think he was emotionally involved in this. And he knew without a doubt that he was right. That his son was dead. But this faith that he had, this belief that he had, It was based upon false information, false evidence, just one thing. That wasn't Joseph's blood, that was an animal's blood. Can we see where we're headed with this? I tell you what, we can have false information and we can believe anything just as strongly as anyone that has the truth. If we've been misled. I want to use illustrations as which happened here, but I will not do that. But I remember there were three little boys, Buncombe, Jerry, and Travis. Boy, we were the best of buddies. About eight years old, I was. And Daddy was telling about a little earlier in this time of the year, going to have to do something to get things ready to do the spring planting. And uh, 
old Buncombe, he said, Mr. Connor, he said there's going to be a fellow out of Mr. Williams Saturday, um, Mr. Battle Saturday morning to shoe mule. And say, if you want to get your mule shoed, all you got to do is buy the shoes and the nails and have the mule out there Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Well, Daddy, boy, the next afternoon came in from work, and he had four mule shoes. And so Saturday morning, he gets my brother and I out of bed and put the bridle on the old mule, and we take off to Mr. Hill's, Mr. Hill's with a, a mule, and we take those mule shoes and get out there, Mr. Hill never has heard of anybody coming to shoe mules. When my brother and I sold that place a couple of years ago up there in the old wash house, on that partition between the wash house and the garage, there were those four mule shoes there after hmm, 50 so many years. Daddy knew his coming to shoe mules. But Daddy should have known Buckham lies. He still lies. If I want him to know that, he's not back. But uh, I won't get the job done with it. All information. Friend, there's only one thing for us to do. And that is to set aside all of our feelings, all of our emotions, Not to allow these to become authoritative, but to recognize that the only thing that we can do is to exalt the Word of God as being God's authority. Now note, we began with God. We must recognize that he has all authority. But now then understand, from the beginning, God has spoken. Now note, in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, Paul said that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. Note that one phrase. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Paul is saying here that all Scripture, what we have in the Old Testament, yes. What we have in the New Testament, yes. It is inspired of God, that is, God breathed. Let us understand 
that this does not contain the Word of God, that it is the Word of God. That God has spoken right here. Now then, very quickly, note, as we said, all Scripture, now then, in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, Knowing this first, no prophecy of the Scriptures, any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Can we not see what he's saying here? In the olden days, in the revelation of this, the Old Testament, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament is inspired of God. But then a favorite verse of my passage of mine that we often just run roughshod over. Note in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God who has sundry times and divers manners in time past spake unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost back there in the Old Testament. But now then in these last days, He hath spoken unto us by His Son. We see then why Jesus said, Matthew 28, verse 18, all authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Now then note, concerning this authority in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. We can't stop that. It says, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Why, here's the great chapter on the resurrection. When that authority will be returned to the Father, he says it will not be until all enemies and the last of these is death itself. All people in the grave will come forth. In the end, he says. Now then, it's amazing what just jumps out from scriptures from time to time. There's enough proof in other passages, but note in Second Corinthians ten at verse eight. In the middle of this verse, Paul is speaking of our authority, that is, the authority of the apostles. He said, Our authority which the Lord hath given unto us. Have you ever noticed that before? Our authority which the Lord hath given unto us. Now, some people in the military know something about a chain of command. And when we put all of this together, 
I really believe that we can see that it's God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Apostle. And I'm just going to call it what it is, the Bible. And that's it. Somebody says, well, I think you're kind of oversimplifying things here. We uh, maybe, but I'll tell you one thing. There's not any way that I or anyone else can overemphasize the authority in this book. Note in Galatians chapter 1, we have verse 11 and 12, I believe, mentioned. But let us go back to verse 6. Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As I said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. Where would you get it from, Paul? He didn't go to the school to get it. He wasn't taught it, but he received it by revelation. And he says that it is from Jesus Christ. God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. All God-fearing people. Only, we don't have a choice in the matter. We have to turn to the same authority. And that is the authority that there is in the Scriptures. Friends, the thing that we, we should have spent another lesson on, but we'll just make four quick points here. Uh, this is all we need. The, we need to emphasize the all-sufficiency of this book. This is it. God has spoken. And here, He gives us our directions. We say that the Bible is all sufficient because the whole counsel of God has been proclaimed. There in Acts chapter 20, we find that Paul called those elders of the church from Ephesus to meeting Miletus. And he told these Ephesian elders that he had declared all the counsel of God in verse 27. 
Paul said in verse 20 that I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. And in leaving them, Paul commended them to God and His Word of grace in verse 32. What's he saying? Paul's saying you only have one thing to do, and that's to turn to the Word of God. Don't you wait on any other revelations to be given. You don't need anything else. I commend you to God and to His Word. And then 2 Peter 1 at verse 3, Peter said that we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's telling us here we have everything that it takes to be a Christian, everything that we need to live a Christian life. Peter didn't say that we have some of the things that we need and we need to read some. He said we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Nothing's going to be delivered later. You don't need to wait on any more vision. They won't come. And then Jude wrote of the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. In verse 3, this word once here in the Greek is one time for all. That is this faith. That comes from this book. It was delivered once. And there will be no other delivery. But I would like for us to wind it down by again looking there in 2 Timothy 3. And we find that the Scriptures are able to make us complete, to equip us for every good work. We often quote and we read verses 16 17, the third chapter. But note in 2 Timothy 3, beginning at verse 14, Paul, in speaking to the young preacher, said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned. Uh, where'd you get it, Timothy? Paul said from your mother and your grandmother. And he said, you, you know the Bible. You know the Scriptures. That from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God's prophet for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. In righteousness, the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. Scriptures inspired of God. All that we need make us complete. And yes, the King James does say, truly. It supplies us through and through. Now, a lot of people like to say thoroughly. Well, I agree. But through and through, we're supplied with what we need in the Word of God. Let us never question God's authority. We're going to be pleasing in the sight of God. We're going to have to all be united in Christ. In John 17, 20 and 21, we find here two verses that I love. The apostles at that time. 
But note that he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they all may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. He's saying, if we're going out in his name, we're going to have to present a united front to the religious world. We're going to take up here tomorrow night. People in the Church of Christ, what do you believe? We believe this book. And we take our stand up on this book. We'd better. We'd better. The great hymn, 443. How precious is the book divine by inspiration given. Bright as a lamp its precept shine to guide my soul to heaven. It sweetly cheers my drooping heart in this dark veil of tears. Light to my life it still imparts and quells my rising fears. This lamp through all the tedious night of life shall guide my way till I behold the clearer light of an eternal day. Holy Bible book divine, Precious treasure, thou art mine. Lamp to my feet and a light to my way to guide me safely home. Holy Bible, precious book divine. Why should we want anything else? you here tonight knowing what you need to do in order to become a Christian. Never been obedient unto the gospel. Why not tonight? You're willing to leave that old life behind, coming in repentance, 